Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Hello, welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast. <laughs> it just ripples off my tongue, the Writer's Block Party Podcast. Hello and welcome. <laughs> I'm Prue Warren, representing authors who don't know so much. And this time I'm going to actually introduce my co-host because I thought of a great way to introduce you. The writer I'm with who knows what she's doing is Bond, Meredith Bond. <laughs> James Bondy, do you like it? Yes, actually, I do. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am Meredith Bond, and we are here to talk about the heroine's journey. The heroine's journey. Now, I was going to look back and see what number you and I discussed the hero's journey, and it was episode number 17, a year, a solid year ago. We talked about the hero's journey. And when I say we talked about, I mean, you told me what the hero's journey was. <laughs> and it was it was pretty fascinating. And can I do a quick summing up? Can I do a quick summing up? Yeah. Can you? That would be terrific. The hero's journey is this guy, Joseph Campbell, who had a very big brain, identified 12 stages that happened in myths and fables around the world. And his theory is that this is an element of, of mankind and society, that there are these elements in a heroic tale that we can define into 12 specific steps, which are weird as hell. These are not, I mean, you can talk about the Lion King being a hero's journey, but the examples he gives are the Ansari people. And then in Thailand and all over the world, he's got these bizarre myths once again like like many myths doesn't really make sense but but they have they have this consistency this pattern that says this is the way humanity believes a good story goes so he identified his 12 stages and mary then you told me the 12 stages and i my mind was blown and i think we also need to give a shout out to christopher vogler who simplified, yes, you're holding up the book. I'm holding up the book. Listen, here's the sound of the rippling pages. See, I really am holding <laughs> But I haven't read it yet. <laughs> it's been a year. He actually simplified Campbell's theory for authors. So that, and it's called, so his book is called The Writer's Journey. Right. And he, he made things more practical for authors because joseph campbell's version gets wicked into psychoanalysis and dream theory and all kinds of things that made me like like i've only read the first half of that one i have not read the whole thing i kind of got into the the woo stuff and went okay i know but i understand christopher vogler well how did he write his you told me the origin of his of his story yeah he was a, a writer for disney and so as a writer for Disney, creating all of these fairy tales or recounting all of these traditional fairy tales, 
he, of course, used the hero's journey constantly. So that when you say when you put it like that, it makes it so much makes so much more sense. I wish I'd read Christopher Vogler because he <laughs> apparently he used the Lion King as his example, right? The Lion King is a hero's journey. Uh, the Lion King, a lot of a lot of Disney movies are the hero's journey. Okay, all right. When you and I saw Gail Carriger speak about her theory, the heroine's journey, mm-hmm. um, she used Harry Potter. And I sort of, my mind was blown again. Mm-hmm. I found that absolutely fascinating. So let me, let me step out of the way now. Tell us, <laughs> wise one, about the heroine's journey and about Gail Carriger. Okay, so Gail Carriger as... I'm sure most people know, is an incredibly fantastic author of fantasy novels. She writes some romance as well, but mainly her work is fantasy and a lot of steampunk. She's the author of the Paracel Protectorate, which is her most famous series. I have read every single book. I gobbled them up. I inhaled them like you would like the sweetest, yummiest cake that you could possibly imagine. They were so delicious and I couldn't get enough of them. They were so good. And so when she came out with her nonfiction book called The Heroine's Journey, I immediately bought it because hell, she wrote it and she's a fantastic writer. And then I started reading it and she has some very interesting theories She says that she is an anthropologist by training and uses that anthropology and sociology training to analyze the heroine's journey. At the beginning of her book, she summarizes the hero's journey in such a way that I had problems, but I will get into that later say that you have problems with some of the things she says. And I know that you you kind of idolize Gail Carriger. And it's interesting that you're like, you don't want to disagree with her because her theories are fascinating, but you've you've got issues. And I had some issues when we heard her presentation too. So I'm I'm I really want to hear your issues. But before we get into that, let me um read out for you her description, her summarization of what the heroine's journey is and what the hero's journey is, okay? So her simplified version of the heroine's journey, okay, her work is increasingly networked protagonist strides around with good friends, prodding them and others onto victory together. Mm -hmm. It's collaborative. Collaborative. Um, So the protagonist goes around with her good friends and pushes them and they push her and they all achieve together. It is all about community building. Right. She made a point in her presentation to the Washington Romance Writers of saying that you can have a heroine's journey with a guy in the lead role. And her example was Harry Potter. The Harry Potter is a guy on a heroine's journey because his work is very collaborative. And that's true. Right. Okay. Okay. Her description of the hero's journey, which is where I have a problem, is this. Increasingly isolated protagonist stomps around, 
prodding <laughs> evil with pointy bits, eventually fatally prods Batty, gains glory and honor. It's interesting that she stops with gains glory and honor because I thought one of the things that was really interesting about Joseph Campbell's version of the hero's journey is that once you go through this experience, once the hero goes through this experience of becoming increasingly isolated, increasingly separated from his base of power, uh, he's changed by that. So he goes back home at the end of his journey for fame and glory, but finds that it's hollow since what he was seeking in the beginning was not what he needed by the end. Right. The whole point of the hero's journey, as I understood it from reading Campbell and Vogler, is for someone to go on a journey, learn something, become almost godlike in their knowledge, and then return to their ordinary world and share what they have learned. But changed, unable to find full satisfaction because now they know too much to be satisfied with their ordinary life. Well, they, 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 yes, sometimes, and sometimes they simply go back into called the, he's the master of two worlds. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, it's interesting because I'm just thinking as I look back on it that what, what struck me was that, at least according to, as I understood Joseph Campbell, that the hero in being changed by his journey, master of two worlds, really theoretically can never find his happily ever after because. Now he's no longer the innocent that he was when he thought his ordinary world was was everything. Uh, so a heroine's journey is much better. A heroine's journey where where the hero or heroine is enriched by the experience of being collaborative with other people does find a happily ever after. The heroine's journey sounds like it would be a much better base for a romance than the hero's journey would be. Yes, I completely agree. But there are romances that can be a hero's journey. Kroger would probably disagree, though. Well, but I think I think it's interesting because now I really want to go back and read Christopher Vogler because the example that you gave me when you talked to me about about Christopher Vogler's The Writer's Journey was The Lion King, which I I've seen <laughs> a lot of a lot of high highbrow stuff I haven't seen, but I've seen The Lion King. I can sing some of those songs. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it ends quite happily. My yes. my girlfriend, my lion girlfriend and I take over the savannah along with our two good friends, Timon and Pumbaa. And in that respect, I think he wrote a heroine's journey. I think there are elements of the heroine's journey about the Lion King. Possibly. Go back, go back, go back and do the heroine's journey in a little bit more depth because I'm 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 pushing us ahead of what we what what a listener might understand. Okay. Yes. Okay. So according to Carragher, the heroine's journey is specifically about friends and family, losing them, gaining them, working with them to solve a problem, which in the end is brought about by compromise where everybody gets something. So her breakdown of the heroine's journey is as follows. And I have applied it to my favorite movie, which is The Wizard of Oz. Oh, good. Okay. Oh, that's an example. Yes. Okay. Okay, so the heroine's journey starts out with the loss of family or something that represents family. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, in the Wizard of Oz, yes. Okay, in the Wizard of Oz, Toto is threatened, her dog, and her aunt and uncle have no time to listen to her woes. They shove her away. Okay. Well, oh, okay. 
all right, they shove her away. I was thinking more about literally the loss of the family when she gets swept away in the hurricane, but go ahead. So the next step is the family offers aid, but no solution. So Dorothy is told by her aunt to find some place where she can't get into any trouble. It's a good suggestion. It's a suggestion, but not a good one. Right. Right? Yep. And then the heroine withdraws or throws off all of her power and prestige, i.e. Dorothy runs away. I think that's a really good way of phrasing it. You throw off your power or prestige. I think that's a really good, I really like that part in her theory because there has to be a moment where the heroine says, this is this is like um, Grace Burroughs telling us about how you accommodate the bad things in your life until the moment comes when you cannot accommodate them anymore. And this is, this in Gail Carragher's theory is this is the moment when you stop accommodating, when you say, all right, I'm getting rid of my power and prestige. I'm running away. I'm leaving that. So I I love that. I thought that was really good. Mm -hmm. And then the heroine experiences isolation and danger. So Dorothy runs away putting, so she's alone and alone, a young girl and meeting, she meets a stranger, the fortune teller. Right. And then she runs into the tornado, which right. deposits her in Oz. Right. So how many steps is that? Because that's a whole lot going on there. That's just one step. You think that's one step? Yeah. Well, if it was Joseph Campbell, there's the moment where, where, where someone offers one of, one, of, one of the things that happens in what he sees as a very common pattern around the world is that someone who's usually in his version, a goddess of some kind, offers a boon. Oh, maybe that's coming up, isn't it? Offering a boon. Glinda's coming up. Let's continue through this. Interesting. Interesting. Let me see. Um, The heroine disguises herself. This one is a little more iffy in The Wizard of Oz. You could consider Dorothy putting on the ruby slippers as a disguise. But I, I would I could see this as she's landed in she's landed in one of the four countries of Oz and is a person out of her space. So so she's she's sort of in disguise and that she's just a farm girl from Kansas. And, and here right. she is in a magical place. So I, I can I can see disguise here. OK, um, she finds others to truly help her, creates a new family, creates organization, builds civilization. Uh-huh. Build civilization. That's really nice because I think that is very female. That urge to uh, organize and make sure we all have our jobs. I like that. I think. I think she's. I think Gail Carriger is absolutely right. Yeah, and Carriger uh, considers this to be the heroine's greatest strength: this ability to build community and create family. Nice, nice. And of course, Dorothy finds the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Lion, and together they form a family of right. sorts. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Very good. They visit the underworld, i.e. Dorothy goes to get the broomstick from the Wicked Witch. Well, but can you can you can you say that first she's threatened by the witch when she goes to pick the apple, right? She goes to pick uh-huh. the apple. These all throw apples at her. That's kind of that was always kind of a scary scene. That's a little underworldly. It is. But if you look at the the witch's castle, it's really cave like. Oh, well, even oh, it's though it's on top of a hill. Yeah, 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 it's definitely, it's definitely, yeah, satanic. Yeah, I agree. So she goes to to the visit this underworld. Her family and or friends render her aid. The scarecrow, tin men, and lion come to rescue her. Well, they also rescue her when the trees are throwing apples at her. So 
We got both going on. Yeah. I'm going to burst into song any minute now. You, you want <laughs> okay. Uh, then there's the ascent or return. Dorothy returns home to Kansas. Negotiation compromise to benefit everybody. She promises never to run away again. Oh, God. See, Meredith, I think your theory, your your example is so good, but I think you're missing out on all the juice here. When she returns, she's bringing the broom back to the Emerald City, and the real compromise happens when the wizard's handing out his rewards and she doesn't Mm. have it. Then we compromise. That's true. That's true. Right. And then the network is established. So her family is happy to have her back again and hopefully won't ignore her ever again. That's well, that's interesting because, of course, you all you see is a very sort of patriarchal people leaning in the window going, ho, 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 what a cute little girl. Right. So I think if The Wizard of Oz was done today, there there would be a better heroine's journey. Right. Her ending would be much more satisfying instead of there's no place like home. Right. Instead of learning the lesson that everything's fine at home, quit, quit dreaming for something that is beyond you. Suddenly she realizes that. um Huckleberry and I can't remember what the what the Tin Man's name was, but that they're all they're all allies, and now we're uniting to form some common. I don't know what we're going to open a shelter for missing dogs or something. <laughs> but I think I think I think your heroine's journey falls down very very slightly at the end. But I don't think that's unusual because I think the Lion King falls down at the end when it turns out to be a heroine's ending of, oh, we're all happy. We're going to sing on the Savannah. So I think (laughs) endings are the hardest part of these archetypes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because popular ending, it has to be a happy. So the thing is, is that character, she dismisses the idea that heroes in the hero's journey have allies. And they do. That's exactly right. She says the process of becoming isolated is where the true story comes. Right. They gain allies and lose allies and gain allies and lose allies. Yeah. Yes. Having allies and those allies are essential to achieving their goal in the hero's journey. They are. It's true. It's true. And so her complete dismissal of allies and building a community that the hero does do, she totally dismisses it. And I'm sorry, but the most, the newest, most fundamental hero's journey is the Star Wars movie. Okay. The Star Wars movie, what's his name? Who wrote it? Uh, George George Lucas. Thank you. Actually hosted Campbell at his ranch when he was writing the script. No kidding. He did. He worked firsthand, one-on-one with Joseph Campbell to create the Star Wars movie, the first one, and the first trilogy. So you cannot get any more hero's journey than that, right? Right, right. And think about that, the very first Star Wars movie. You have Luke Skywalker, you have Han Solo, you have Princess Leia, you have Chewbacca. R2-D2. R2-D2 and C-3PO. They create a family. Yep. Yep. That movie would not have worked. The hero, Luke Skywalker, could not have succeeded in his journey without the others. You know, it's, I think it's, I think that's very 
a really important point I hadn't really considered, but if you think of the hero's journey in modern film, you would think it would start out with the lone gunman. Uh, I've come to town to capture the bad guy and then I'm going to leave, right? And sort of Clint Eastwoody, I will never build a community. But that's those those were popular for a while, but they're just, everybody builds community at some point. I think even Clint Eastwood builds a community. <laughs> in it. And in and Star Wars, not only does Luke build his own family, but he literally meets his own sister. He literally right. meets he literally meets his father. Right. The whole whole series is about this one. Oh, yeah, I think you're in very innovative. You're very wise. Okay. All right. It's brilliant. And so I think Carragher's dismissal of the hero as a community builder is just plain wrong. Well, I here's I, what I got from that discussion. Yeah. I think she is uh, the outlier in feminism. I think she's very, very careful about asserting the power and the and the innate abilities of women in general to build a community, and that makes her slightly blind to the innate human desire to build a community. Yeah, she is extremely pro-feminist. Which has its good I'm, points and its bad. I'm delighted. I love it when there are outliers who are pushing harder than I am because I would never make any progress without her. So I'm very pleased with her stance, but I do think she might be deliberately looking away from some examples to yes. disagree with her. Yeah, that's what I think. And and dismissing them. When you are plotting your next novel, Meredith. Knowing about the writer's journey, the hero's journey, and the heroine's journey, and how clearly you can walk them through this series of obstacles and successes, it it feels almost limiting to have someone lay out a pattern for you. First, you must deny the quest. Then you must accept the quest. Then you must be given a boon. Then you must write. There's a whole, were you to write a romance specifically according to the heroine's journey or the hero's journey, it would feel fairly limiting. How do you use these examples when you plot your next book? I actually have a lot of fun trying to, you know, plotting a book and using these, these outlines. You, do. you actually I, use them. Um, I don't always, but every now uh-huh. and then I do. Uh-huh. And and is it because you say to yourself, now we must have, I'm denying the quest or I'm building my community or do you think of it consciously or do you realize you've done it later? I do it consciously. You do. I do. <laughs> and because it is a very refined structure. And so it, it does help me. I think of my goal, motivation and conflict and really what my character needs to do to grow and to attain their goal. And then within that, I structure the story of how they get there using a structure like the heroine's journey or the hero's journey. I think that's pretty interesting. I'm just thinking of the book. I I just finished the first draft of a book. And there's a moment where in the the black moment, we can never be together again. Mm -hmm. Uh, My heroine is publicly shamed and everyone turns away from her. She Mm -hmm. loses Unity, and that's part of her pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that's sort of hero's journey ish. She becomes isolated. 
Someone at the Washington Romance Writers um, mini session that Gail Carragher gave for us said that she interpreted this as being the hero's journey involves loss of power and autonomy and the heroine's journey involves gaining power and autonomy in order to succeed. Joseph Campbell said, you strip away all of the things that the hero has always relied on, and he has to find something within himself to succeed that he didn't know he had. Whereas the heroine's journey is about building the community that will help you overcome whatever the obstacle is collaboratively. And I thought that was very interesting, this concept of do you lose power or gain power in your journey? And what does that do to you? Yeah. Well, the the hero, he loses power. But see, they both, both the hero and the heroine, lose power in order to gain power. The heroine strips away all of her power and then builds community to gain power. And the hero enters this strange new world where he doesn't know the rules and he doesn't know anybody in order to learn how to and to pull himself up by his own bootstraps and find his own strength. Right, right, right. Right. But in many, I think in many respects, the difference is that she leaves her place of, of competency mm-hmm. deliberately. She says, all right, I must now, Gail Carragher's example was um, Demeter going after Persephone in hell. When Demeter says, okay, I'm, I'm going to walk away. I'm leaving my, my power as a goddess. I'm going to find my daughter. And that's voluntary and deliberate as opposed to a hero's journey when he is forced out, doesn't want the quest, is forced to accept the quest, and then and then enters a world where his powers are stripped away from him. So his is less voluntary. Right. Yes. Excellent point. It is true. <laughs> no arguments here. All right. All right. So in the end, what we've got, you and I, is a a recommendation to anyone listening that there are two main theories of how you can put a story together. And one of them is Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, which is best read about, trust me, in Christopher Vogler's The Writer's Journey, which is written in English, not in psychoanalysis and Freud. (laughs) But the other one is Gail Carragher, who's got The Heroine's Journey, which is different and maybe better for romance, but which has some blind spots too. Yes. Use them, read them, make them your own, and then abandon them when they don't serve you. Yeah, absolutely. And and you don't have to follow every single point in either journey. Your hero can skip around. <laughs> Androgynously becoming a heroine in the middle of his hero's journey. Well done. <laughs> How very in the now. <laughs> how we amuse ourselves (laughs) (laughs) well i find both of them i find both of them to be fascinating when i was first reading the hero's journey i tried to plot a novel that would include all of those elements and it breaks down in the world of romance the hero's journey breaks down around stage seven or eight i'm like i I have no way to put that together (laughs) and the myths that he tells are so bizarre and so strange never mind (laughs) So I think the heroine's journey has tremendous merit, has real value. And as a female who I I really like the concept of building communities and having Hermione be the one who's really good with spells, right? (laughs) I I like having specialists in my society. 
I think she had some really very useful concepts. I'm pro. I'm pro heroine's journey. Okay. And the book that I'm writing right now is based on the heroine's journey. And so I'm, I'm experimenting with it myself right now. That's very interesting. Oh, I can't wait to read this one. I hope I'm your beta reader. <laughs> Next week, you and I are talking about world building. Yes. Which I think is going to be particularly fascinating because I used to think that world building was just for paranormal or fantasy where you had to create all of Middle Earth or all of, <laughs> you know, the rebel galaxy empire. And, and the reality is that the world you build in your book could be right there in your home. It could be so real that it's all around you, but you can't, you can't ignore the fact that you have to build a world subtly, carefully, and it makes the, your book much richer. So I think oh. that's an interesting. Yeah, absolutely. World building is so much fun. Excellent. Excellent. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah. Thank you, Meredith, as always. Oh, thank you, Prue. I loved your insights today. <laughs> I love your babbling today, Prudence. Yay. <laughs> customer fool. That's all I want. Talk to you next week, Mary. Bye. Bye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week. Thank you.